Amen. Well, I'm glad our Redeemer is faithful and true, is he not? And praise the Lord, he has been faithful in my life, and I can say nothing more than thank you, Lord, for your wonderful faithfulness. And uh, honestly, that goes right in line with our sermon this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with us to the book of Jonah, the book of Jonah and chapter number three. The book of Jonah, chapter number three. We want to continue looking at the book of Jonah. And uh, this morning, I want to preach on this thought of a God of second chances, a God of second chances. And uh, he is faithful, true, and he's patient with us, amen? And I'm glad that Christ is uh, compassionate to me and you as well. And he has been faithful more than once. And honestly, he's more than just a God of second chances. The truth of the matter is he's a God of third and fourth and fifth and sixth chances and his mercies never fail, the psalmist said. So we thank the Lord for that. Jonah chapter three, we'll begin reading in verse number one. We'll read the first five verses. If you're able this uh, morning, stand with us for the reading of God's word. Jonah chapter three, and we'll begin reading in verse number one. The Bible says, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you in prayer this morning. And God, I pray that, Lord, you may speak to the heart of everyone here who hears. Lord, there is no way that as a preacher, a human, Lord, that I can understand or begin to comprehend the need that every person here has today. And yet, Lord, we understand that you are omniscient. Lord, you know all things. And, Lord, your Holy Spirit is able to speak to every heart. And, Lord, we ask that you would do so in this hour. Lord, for the one here who does not know you, God, our prayer is that today may be the day that they come to a knowledge of the price that was paid on Calvary for their sin. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you're still interested in our lives. And Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Here in Jonah, we find verse number one. Um, Verse number two, actually, really, it comes into almost identical to chapter one, verse number one. In chapter three, verse number three, or verse number two, the Bible says, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and uh, preach unto it, or cry unto it. Jonah chapter one, verse two says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. In Jonah chapter 1, the Lord came to Jonah and had a call for his life, a command for Jonah to follow in obedience and submission to the Holy Spirit and the Lord's bidding. 
We find that in Jonah chapter 1 and Jonah chapter 2, as we've looked for the last several weeks, Jonah ran contrary to God's will for his life. And as God said, arise, get up, go to Nineveh, Jonah arose, but then began a descent down, a journey down, going away from God. Of course, in the scripture, we understand that God prepared a great fish, the Bible says, and swallowed Jonah. And Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. And now this whale or this fish has spit Jonah out onto dry land. As Jonah has went down to the pits of the grave, the pits of hell, and he has returned now. And again, the Bible says the word of the Lord came unto him a second time. And again, he repeats the command that he gave in the beginning. Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach against it, or preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. And so we find here that God has renewed a call for Jonah. Uh, God once again has repeated what he has said. We find that God called Jonah a second time even after Jonah had sinned. God's plan had not changed. Uh, Do not think this morning that you can't escape from the will of God. You say, Pastor, God told me to do something or to serve him years ago, and I've ran from it, and I'm just trying to outweigh God. I'm waiting on him, and I'm hoping God might forget what he's called me to do. I want you to know that you cannot run from God. You cannot outweigh God. God's calling, the Bible says, in Romans chapter 11, verse number 29, the Bible says, for the gifts, and calling of God are without repentance. We know from Scripture that God is faithful in what he calls us to do. Has God called you to serve? Um, Has God called you to be involved and to be uh, active in the work and the ministry of, of the Lord Jesus Christ? I want you to know today that that is not a question if, that is a command. The Bible says, go ye into all the world. You, as God's children, just like Jonah, are commanded to go. Arise and go. Go ye into all the world. That is a call, a command for every believer. You say, Pastor, I would go and be a missionary if God called me to be one. I hope that as a Christian, you would raise your hand and say, God, if you told me to be a missionary, I would go and be one. But the truth of the matter is, you are called to be a missionary. If you are saved, if you are born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are commanded to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. God has called us, so therefore uh, there is a consistency of God's call in our life. God called Jonah in in chapter 1, and in chapter 3, Jonah has ran from God. Jonah has sinned against God. Jonah has went through a process of running from God, and God has brought him to a place of repentance. And now we find that God's call for Jonah has not changed. God once again says, Jonah... I want you to go to Nineveh. Uh, You say, Pastor, what about the sin in Jonah's life? Did Jonah's sin not disqualify him from serving God? Yet the Bible says that the gifts and call of God are without repentance. God had called Jonah in chapter 1 to go to Nineveh. 
Now in chapter three, Jonah has sinned and came back to God and God says, Jonah, I still want you to go to Nineveh and tell them about me. Jonah's call was, God's call was consistent upon Jonah's life. But I want to look at another aspect of this renewed call and we see the consistency of God's call, but I want to look for just a moment at the uh, compassionate command of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we began to read chapter 3, I want to examine more so of what, not, what is not found in Scripture than what is found here for just a moment. As we find in chapter uh, 2, verse number 10, the Bible says, The Lord spake unto, fi- unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, and preach against it. What we do not find here in Scripture is God does not try to beat Jonah up over his past. God doesn't say, now Jonah, listen, I want you to know that you have disobeyed me, you have sinned, you have uh, ruined your testimony, you have lost some of your value or some of uh, your your potential. And Jonah, now I'm going to call you again, but Jonah, this time, I don't want you to do what you did last time. God doesn't do that. God does not begin to condemn Jonah or to begin to deride him for his past mistakes, but God in his his compassion displays a spirit of kindness and compassion towards Jonah. He simply says, Jonah, arise, get up, go. Jonah, I still have a purpose for your life, and I'm grateful this morning. Aren't you glad that God is a God of compassion and kindness and gentleness? The truth of the matter is that if it had been you or I instead of God, uh, we probably would have given Jonah a hard time, wouldn't we? Ain't that the way we do? We probably would remind him of his transgressions and how he disobeyed. And Jonah, if you'd have just listened to me the first time, you wouldn't have gotten such a mess. Isn't that the way we operate? And yet God was compassionate towards Jonah. I dare say this morning that it would do many of us uh, much good in our lives if we would learn to emulate the example set forth by God to display uh, 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 compassion for those who have done wrong. I hope that this is not the case this morning at North Etowah Baptist Church, but it's often been said that the Lord's army is the only army that shoots its wounded. People mess up and there are many people who claim to be followers of Christ who want to disavow and cast people aside because of their mistakes. But the truth is God's example set forth by himself when dealing with Jonah was, listen, when someone repents and returns to me, let's be willing to open them up with open arms and accept them as they listen. God still has a purpose and a plan for your life. We should be that example. So we've seen the renewed call for Jonah. But I also want to look for just a moment at Jonah's unique position. As we look here in chapter, Jonah chapter 3 in verse 1 and 2, we find that God came to Jonah a second time. There was a second call upon Jonah's life. God had called Jonah to lead. However, the narrative tells us that Jonah had to learn how to follow before he could lead.
What was unique about Jonah is that when you look at the Bible, Jonah is the only prophet who, according to Scripture, that God had to give him directions a second time. The other prophets mentioned God simply commanded and they obeyed. Yet Jonah is unique in that God called him and he ran. And yet God came to him a second time. There was a second call upon Jonah's life, and the reason Jonah had to be called uh, a second time was because Jonah did not have this simple aspect down pat in his own heart, and that is he did not know how to follow. Now, Jonah was willing to lead. He was willing to lead those on the ship into harm's way because he did not want to obey God. Jonah was able to lead in his own heart and his own life and those around him, yet Jonah did not know how to follow. At God's first call, Jonah was only concerned with finding his follow and following his own will, but he would not concede to the will of another, even if that will was of God the Father. And until Jonah was able to follow, he was never able to truly lead. We find we look at leadership, and, and many of you that maybe uh, have businesses or have employees or work with others, and we say leadership is a part of our life, and there have been many writers and, and, and teachers and speakers who teach on leadership, but the truth of the matter is, is that we cannot be a leader until we are first a follower, and Jonah had to learn this valuable lessons that he must learn to follow God and submit his will to the will of another. One of the marks of a strong leader is that he is able to be a follower and uh, you truly must be a follower first, first and foremost. Often we look at scripture and we study Jesus Christ and we look at him as the leader, the greatest leader and the example of a leader that the, that the world has ever known. And that is true. He was the leader of all leaders. But Jesus Christ, before he was a leader, he was a follower. He said, listen, I came to do the will of my father. I, I must do the will of the one who sent me. Uh, nevertheless, he, as he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus submitted himself to the will of the Father. And God gave Jonah a second call because Jonah had not yet learned the first time that he must surrender and be willing to follow God's lead. If you cannot allow others to lead or concede your own will, you will limit your usefulness in, the ki in kingdom work and in the church. We must learn to say, listen, God, I will allow you to lead me, and I will allow others to lead. I will be willing to be a follower. In other words, do you always have to get your way? Are you the type to micromanage others? Maybe even the type to undo what has been done. If it's again contrary to your will, or your idea, your plan. If so, then like Jonah, we must learn to follow. Jonah was not yet ready to be used by God because Jonah had this pride issue in his heart. He said, Lord, not your will but my will. God, I don't want to go to Nineveh. 
Lord, I've got my own plan. This is the way I'm going to do it. And I don't care who it hair lips. Do we ever have that attitude? So God had to come to Jonah a second time and say, Jonah, are you willing to follow me now? Jonah, have you learned to surrender and submit yourself to my will? So there was a second call upon Jonah's life, but there also was a second chance. Not only did God call Jonah, but this call represented that God had not forsaken Jonah, but that God still had a purpose for his life. And I'm glad that God may call us, but he calls us because he still has a purpose for our life. A second chance to right the wrong. A, a, a chance to, uh, to undo the past mistakes. And I'll be honest with you this morning, there have been things, mistakes in my past that if I could go back and I could change them and do things differently, there's some things that I might do different. And if you're honest, you would too. And yet God allows that opportunity when most will not. Not only that, but look with me in verse number three. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. We find here that Jonah has changed heart and he has changed his direction. What is different is here we find that Jonah arose and throughout the story, the narrative here in the book of Jonah, we find that Jonah has descended. He has descended down to Joppa. He has descended down to the boat. He has descended down to the belly of the fish. Then he ascended down to the depths of hell or Sheol, the Bible says. And so he has uh, continued his journey down, down, down. But here we find the Bible says, so Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh. We finally find that Jonah is on the right path. His descent or his, uh, the trajectory of his life is no, lever, no longer headed down, but now it's headed up. His life is on the right path. And I want you to know that what changed in Jonah's life is that in Jonah chapter 2, Jonah finally had an encounter, a personal relationship with God Almighty. In chapter 1, uh, when the sailors were praying, Jonah refused to pray. When others were calling upon God, Jonah refused to have a relationship with God. But in chapter 2, in the belly of the fish, Jonah finally came to a place where he said, God, I'm letting go of the rain of my life. God, I'm surrendering myself. Lord, I want your will to be done in my life. And when Jonah had an encounter with a righteous God, we find that his trajectory has changed from going down to arising and going up. It'll change our path when we come to terms with God. You say, Pastor, I don't like the tra trajectory of my life. I don't like how things are going. I don't like the, the path that I'm headed down. I see the warning signs that there is disaster headed down my way. Uh, there, if I continue in the sin or if I continue in the path and the decisions I'm making, preacher, I recognize, I know that sooner or later it's going to lead to destruction in my life. What do I do? How do I stop the train that's barreling towards a wreck? Preacher, what am I to do this morning? My recommendation to you 
is to humble yourself before God. Have an encounter with Him. Fall in love with the righteous God and humble and, 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 and surrender your life to Him and watch Him change the trajectory of your life. There are some things that only God can do. There are some things, some, power, some powers that we have in our life that we're facing that are too great for us to conquer. We try to turn over new leaves and say, listen, I won't make that decision anymore. I won't go down that road anymore. I'm changing things in my life. I'm, I'm going to think, do things anew and afresh from this day forward. And yet we find oftentimes that the week is not gone. And we're back on the same path. There are some things that are beyond our power. And if we are to have victory and a change of trajectory in our life, it, must, it will take and it will require that we have a personal relationship and encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. We find that Jonah arose. But also we find this time that Jonah went. He went to Nineveh. One sure sign that we have had an encounter with Christ is that we will be goers. On the flip side, a sign that we have neglected God or neglected our time with God is that we are content to be lethargic, lazy, uh, and content to sit by and play the role of a spectator to the things of God. And this morning, I want to ask you, are you a spectator to God, to church, to ministry, to serving? Are you a spectator or are you a participator? I'm gonna tell you, when you come to a relationship with God, and you begin to walk with him, you begin to have fellowship with him, and you begin to mimic the Lord Jesus Christ in your own heart, you will go from a spectator to a participator. You'll be involved. Jonah, he surrendered himself to God, and then Jonah went. We must never be content to be a spectator to the things of God. If you're saved, it's not good enough to say somebody else will do it. But I want to be involved. God, where can I serve? Lord, what can I do for your kingdom that others may come to know you? And I ask you this morning, are you a participator to the things of God? But then lastly this morning, I want to look, the Bible says, in verse number four, and Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, yea, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. I, I, I want to just stop here for just a moment. And I want you to look at the simplicity of Jonah's sermon. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Seven words. That's all Jonah had to say. And if we've been looking down through chapter three, we find the city, the king, they all turn to God. They begin to repent. 
Seven words. Jonah ran from God. Jonah had to go through a storm. He had to be thrown into the sea. He was swallowed by a fish and spent three days in the depths of the ocean in the grave, all because he didn't want to say seven words. How foolish. And yet, let's look. Verse number five says, so the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them, from the oldest to the youngest, from the richest to the poor, from those of society and nobility to those without any title before their name, from the greatest to the least. They all turned to God. On New Year's Day, 1929, Georgia Tech played the University of California in the Rose Bowl. In that game, a man named Roy Regals recovered a fumble for California. and Somehow he became, uh, became confused and started running 65 yards in the wrong direction. One of his teammates, Benny Lom, outdistanced and downed him just before scoring the opposing uh, team. When California attempted to punt, Tech blocked the kick and scored a safety, which was the ultimate margin of victory in that game. That strange play happened in the first half of the game, and everyone watching the game asked the same question. What will Coach Nibs Price do with Roy Regals in the second half? The men filed off the field and went into the dressing room. They sat on the benches of the floor, well, all but Regal. He put his blanket around his shoulders. He sat down in a quarter, put his face in his hands. He says he cried like a baby. If you have played football or a similar sport, a coach usually has a lot to say to his team during the halftime. That day, Coach Price was quiet. No doubt he was trying to decide what to do with Regals. Then the timekeeper came in and announced that there were three minutes before playing time, and Coach Price looked at the team and said, Men, the same team that played the first half will start the second. The players got up and all started to the field, all but Regals. He did not budge. The coach looked back and called to him and again, and still he did not move. Finally, Coach Price went to where Regal sat and said, Roy, didn't you hear me? The same team that played the first half will start the second. Then Roy Regals looked up and his cheeks were wet with a strong man's tears. Coach, he said, I can't do it to save my life. I've ruined you. I've ruined the University of California. I've ruined myself. I couldn't face that crowd in the stadium to save my life. Then Coach Price reached out, put his hands on Regal's shoulder and said, Roy, get up and go on back. The game 
is only half over. Although California lost that game, Roy went back and the men that were on the tag team would tell you that they had never seen a man play football as Roy Regals played in that second half. A God of second chances. You say, Pastor, I've messed up. I've made some, uh, I've made some problems in my life. I, I, I've, I've messed my life up. How could God use me anymore? I want you to know that he's a God of second chances. We find here that Nineveh turned back to God. There's three things we see. First, they believed God. The Bible says, so the people of Nineveh believed God. They believed him. Jonah preached just a short sermon, but God used him in seven words to change a a city and a people from the edge of destruction and back to God. I wish I could preach that way. I wish I could preach a seven-word sermon and an entire city turned back to God. And yet that's what Jonah did. He preached when God had pulled him out of the depths. After Jonah had sinned, after he had turned from God, and yet God used him, and an entire city believed God. Matter of fact, the Bible says it was a great city, a three days journey. It took three days to walk across this city. It was such a large city. But they believed God. The Bible says the second thing was they fasted. So that, and they proclaimed a fast. They said, listen, we're going to fast. All of us, we're not going to eat. We're not going to do anything. We're going to show uh, that we are serious, we, that we understand that God is going to judge our city. And they were willing to fast, but then thirdly, they repented. The Bible says with their fast that they covered themselves in sackcloth. That was an aspect, a outward display of repentance. They were saying, listen, God, we have sinned against you. We have, t- we have done wrong against an almighty God. In this city who was not a Christian, they were a, a pagan city. They said, listen, we're going to turn. We realize that we have sinned against God. We're going to repent, pray, and turn to him. That's what Jonah did when he turned back to God. Listen, you and I, if we can come to a place in our own heart where we recognize that it does not matter where we've been or what we've done, but that God has a purpose for us. And if we will completely surrender ourselves to God, God can work in and through our hearts and do a great work through us. Nineveh, this city, a great city of great sin, who a righteous God was justified and holy in destroying and sending destruction. When they came to a place, they said, listen, we believe that God is able to do what he said he does, but we are going to repent. We're going to turn from our sin and turn our face towards God. We find that God spared Nineveh. Today, maybe you're here. And you say, Pastor Ellis, 
I'm in church today, but the truth is you don't know my past. You're right this morning. I don't know your past. But what I do know is that regardless of your past, regardless of your sin, that there is a righteous God who sent his son who was without spot and without blemish, his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins. And if like the people of Nineveh, you will turn from your sins and turn your face towards God and say, Lord, I repent of my sins. I throw myself at the foot of the cross. I put my eternal destiny in the hands of Jesus Christ. I believe that he died for my sins. I believe that I'm worthy of death, but I I throw myself at Christ. Lord, I put my faith in you. The Bible says we can know that we have forgiveness of sins. The truth of the matter is that although your past, your sin, makes you guilty before God, the love of God is greater than your past. There is no sin that is able to keep you from the blood of Christ. You say, preacher, but what about my past? All I know is, is that the blood of Christ is so powerful, there is nothing I can do to overcome it. Its grace is sufficient for whatever it is. And if you'll but simply put your faith in Jesus Christ and turn to him, you too can have forgiveness and peace and hope of eternity. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. This morning, I wonder if there is someone here who might be honest for just a moment and say, Pastor Ellis, I'll be honest with you. If I were to die right now, no one looking this between me, you, and God, you're to say, Pastor, I'll be honest. If I were to die right now, I don't know that I would go to heaven. I want to go to heaven, but I'm not sure. Would you slip your hand up so I can pray for you? I'm not going to embarrass you. But is there one who would raise your hand and say, Pastor, if I were to die right now, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you slip your hand up and back down? Is there one? Say, Pastor, pray for me. Then I wonder this morning, who's here that might say, I'm saved. I'm a child of God. But maybe you'd be honest with yourself and God for just a moment and say, Lord, I've ran from you. Like Jonah, I've failed to serve. I've lived for my own self. God, I'm willing to follow. Lord, I'm willing to surrender my will to you. God, use my life. Sister Kay begins to play. This morning, if that's you, I wonder, would you either where you're sitting, begin to pray, come to the altar, if you will, but would you do business with God? Don't leave here today 
unless you know that all, everything is right between you and God. How about it this morning? Has God spoke to your heart? Why not surrender your all to God? Why not say, God, I, I'm willing to let go and surrender my will. God, I don't have to have it my way anymore. Lord, whatever it takes for you to have your will, Lord, you do it in my life. Father, Lord, we do come to you in prayer. Lord, I want to say thank you, Lord, that you are a God of second chances. Lord, I don't know who's here today that needed to hear that. But God, thank you for giving me second chance time and time again. Lord, I pray that God, may we live a vic uh, victorious in our Christian walk because of your great mercies. Lord, we love you. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.